Hi, everybody. Quint Kesnick on the Quintessential Podcast. First round this week of the NCAA tournament. We've got playing games on Wednesday and then an eight-pack of games over Saturday and Sunday. You can watch all the games on ESPNU. We'll start off on Saturday, May 14th. The first game of the, of the bracket is, is Boston University at Princeton. Congratulations to the Terriers. Ryan Poley has just done a magical job. Uh, this program went D1 back in 2014. They win the Patriot League championship behind Timmy Lay's four goals. Uh, love the play of Matt Garber. is a fun team to watch because they slide on defense really aggressively. They fly around. And then on offense, got guys like Vince D'Alto, they share the ball. Uh, this is not a team that's got powerful isolation dodgers but they really rely on crisp and sharp passes and they work for high percentage looks they beat army uh in a revenge game to take home their first championship of the league and they'll be at princeton at noon i'll be covering that game with each shroff when you look at princeton they had the weekend off they didn't make the ivy league tournament and, and i think that'll benefit them because this is a team in the last uh game and a half that didn't really play well uh they lost to harvard and then cornell at home uh, exposed defensively against Cornell. You know, Cornell, Cornell, Cornell's attack gave uh, Ben Finley and George Bond and Colin Molshine all they can handle. It's, uh, it's a Princeton team that's young, and I love this offense, okay? You, you, you watch Princeton take this year, and Matt Madelon and his offensive coordinator, Jimmy Mitchell, have done really good work with their top unit. Uh, Alex Slusher, Chris Brown, and Coulter Mackesy on attack. Uh, Mackesy's the youngster, really good hands. He's skilled. Brown is the big lefty, and he's become much more of a passer this season. He had actually had seven assists when Princeton beat BU in early April, 12 to seven, which was unusual because Brown early in his career was really known as a one-dimensional finisher when, uh, when Michael Sowers was, was leading the ship in, in Princeton. And, and then Alex Slusher is kind of a two-way threat. He, he, he can dodge, he can pass, got a great change of direction. I thought last week Sam English in the Cornell game really stood out as a two-way threat. Midfielder with good wheels. He's most dangerous when he's dodging from the wings. Uh, and they got number 19, Alex Vardaro. Vardaro has uh, as dangerous an outside shot uh, as you'll see. Uh, this, this, one, this game will be interesting uh, because BU is coming in with good momentum. Princeton, as I said, had the, the excellent start to their season. They beat Georgetown, but lately they've been struggling defensively putting a little too much pressure on Eric Peters. Uh, I think the week off will do well for the Tigers uh, and face-offs with, with Tyler Sandoval will be critical. Second game is uh, Richmond at Penn. Uh, I had the opportunity to call a Richmond game earlier this season when they were in the ACC playing, I think, Carolina. Uh, they win the SoCon. I believe this is the fourth time that Dan Chamati has, has won the SoCon, uh, SoCon back in 14, 18, and 19, uh, and they get it done by beating High Point at High Point in the semis, and then they take down Jacksonville in the finals. Richmond is extremely well coached. Uh, this team is as buttoned up as it gets in, in everything they do. Uh, I've, I've watched them practice. I've covered their games now, back-to-back -back seasons, and I couldn't be more impressed with their organization. They're not going to beat themselves, uh, and they beat Virginia this season, which I think is an indication that this team is, is really dangerous. The moment's not going to be too big for the Spiders. I can promise you that. And this offense can pass. Uh, Ryan Lanchbury is super productive. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's a graduate student out of Ontario. Uh, went to Avon Old Farms. 
a high pick in the NLL draft, number two to the uh, Georgia Swarm. But you see the hockey influence when he's around the goal, the focus and the demeanor that he's brought to the table this year, the leading, the riding, the ground ball plays, and, and then the balance production. He's uh, one of the best to ever play at Richmond. Ryan Dunn, veteran player, shooter, big, good off-ball player. And then Dalton Young from uh, Chantilly, Virginia, is, is capable on attack as well. The, really, the, the guys at the midfield lately watched. Lance Madonna scored some key goals, uh, East Syracuse sophomore. But Luke Frankeny uh, might be the X factor. Th this is a young man I remember covering when he was at Mount St. Mary's where he scored nearly 80 goals. He's a grad student now, taking the extra years from Wilmington, and he's become their primary Dodger. And he has been terrific in terms of, of getting to the goal and or drawing slides. And, and then Richmond uh, has, has looked really sharp. Penn, okay, Penn last week took, took the Ivy League championship, and it was something else. Penn was going down that last, last week of the regular season. We were, Penn wasn't sure they were going to actually compete in, in the uh, in the Ivy League championships, uh, they get in as a four seed, and they win. They beat Brown at home up in up in Providence, and then they take care of Yale on the finals. And I, I, I was extremely uh, impressed with what I saw from this Penn team. They're not deep, but uh, but I got to tell you, they play hard. They play no nonsense. They scrap for every grounder. I never saw them take a deep breath or pause. And uh, and this team, my biggest question mark, quite honestly, is what did last weekend take out of them? OK, we played that game on Sunday at noon. They bust back for the selection show. Monday is going to be a day off. I'm not sure this team is able to go very hard on Tuesday or even Wednesday. So they're going to come into this tournament game. Yeah, I know it's at home, but it's not like they're rested. And, and in fact, they're banged up. Uh, they saw Tynan Wall suffered what appeared to be a pretty significant knee injury in, in the uh, Ivy League final, a really unfortunate situation. He was riding right in front of the Penn bench, and it looked like his knee went out. We'll see what his status is. He's, he's come off the bench and started at times on attack for Penn. And what that's done is you know, teams have been double polling Sam Handley and Gabe Fury. And with, with Walsh in the game, he offers maybe a little more of a, of a dodging threat than Cam Rubin or Ben Smith. Uh, and so without Walsh, you're going to see Rubin probably on the right wing, Dylan Gergar, excuse me, Cam Rubin on the left wing, the lefty and Dylan Gergar on the right wing, both tremendous wing shooters. But I would expect that Richmond double poles, the Fury, Handley, and Shipley line. Ben Smith's come on late in the year for, for Mike Murphy, a freshman from Baltimore, small doses early in the year on extra man. And, and, and now he's running up. He's basically starting at attack. He's really good without the ball. He can finish from, from mid-range. The other injury issue would be James Shipley. James Shipley was all over the field in the Ivy League semifinal win. He did not play on Sunday. So Penn won the Ivy League championship without a first-line midi, James Shipley, and without starting defender, Brendan Lavelle. Lavelle's status is to be determined. Uh, I think the good news for, for Coach Murphy and the Quakers is Ben Bedard stepped up the midfield. Jack Schultz, two seniors, graduate student, uh, Bedard, they played really strong games, and Fury has been emerging. He was a hero of the St. Joe's comeback. Uh, Penn was down 10 to five. Last thing offensively would be Dylan Gregar. I thought in the finals, deeper toolbox than what I'd seen on film. On film, I watch him. He's a right-handed wing shooter with a quick release. Uh, level changes, whether it's low to high or high to low. With his feet set, he's, he's vicious. 
But in that final game, he actually dodged and scored left-handed on an ISO from X. Uh, he had five goals in the Ivy semifinal win over Brown on 13 shots. I think Piper Bond may be the MVP of this team, though. The, the short stick defensive midfield, his ability to clear the ball has been really important for Penn because uh, they struggle in the clearing department. Uh, and then the last thing defensively, Peter Blake played a strong game in the Ivy League championship covering uh, Matt Brandau and goalie Patrick Birkinshaw was great all weekend. You know, Birkinshaw plays, I don't want to, it's unconventional, you know, the way he moves around, but man, he was seeing the ball in both the semifinal and final. His outlets were on target and he had good rebound control. That's been an issue for him in the past. Let's see how Penn uh, comes out of the, the taxing Ivy weekend. Let's see. Uh, and I expect a pretty close game with Richmond. The third game on Saturday would be Yale and St. Joe's. Yale hosting St. Joe's. I got to see St. Joe's play Penn a couple weeks back on a Tuesday night. St. Joe's had him 10 to 5. Levi Anderson and Bomer on, att on attack. Uh, Sealy, their goaltender now, I believe, is 10 and 1 as a starter. And St. Joe's wins the NEC for head coach Taylor Ray. Again, the uh, lesser seeded team, but battle tested. Facing a Yale team that lost in the Ivy League championship game on Sunday. Uh, Chris Cotter and Paul Carcatero will have this call from Yale, from Josiah Stadium at five o'clock on ESPNU. I think the good news for Yale is the youth movement has been successful. The offensive talent looks good. I didn't think it played well on, on Sunday. They, on, on Friday, they, they had a click in on offense. Leo Johnson and Brandau, nice little one-two punch on attack with Lions, the freshman from New Jersey capitalizing on their success. I thought Brian Tevlin maybe played one of the stronger games of his career. Uh, the senior from Seton Hall Prep, the solo captain of this Yale team. He was outstanding in the semifinal. And then, you know, Brad Sharp, super talented, agile, good balance, good speed. He's going to be a superstar. He's only a freshman from California and Christian Kropp. Uh, yeah, they, I, just, I just thought Yale was, they looked, I don't want to say tired, but it just wasn't the same from an emotional standpoint. Usually they're hooting and hollering during warmups. They, they just weren't their normal uh, emotional selves. Chris Fake played well during the weekend, but, the, but Yale's defense continues to struggle. I mean, let, let's, let's face facts. If not for the great play of Jared Paquette in the semifinals, uh, where he stood on his head, this Yale team is giving up in, interior looks consistently. Uh, their on-ball defense is okay. Their shorties, I would say, are a little subpar, but their off-ball defense has been scary. Jack Stusen's a really good pole. He's only a sophomore from Gilman. He's going to be a superstar. But again, the slide, rotate, and recovery concepts, the communication off ball, the ability to cover cutters and to get good second slides, uh, I'm just not seeing it. And, and, and Yale better be careful with, with St. Joe's, a dangerous team. The Saturday night nightcap is probably the best game of, of the first round, and that's the Brown Bears hosting the Virginia Cavaliers. Lars Tiffany, former Brown player, former head coach of the Bears for 10 years, led him to the championship weekend back in 2016 where, you know, had Dylan Malloy not gotten injured, they probably would have won the national championship. Uh, so Virginia's a road team here. Virginia's unseeded. Brown lost in the Ivy semis after uh, – just a miraculous year where they turned things around with three straight wins. Uh, Brown didn't play great in that semifinal game. They never really got the transition game going. Their attack is skilled, but they're not going to initiate through the attack. They rely on 
face-off wins, face-off transition, stops by their goalie, Connor Terrio. And when they weren't getting face-off wins into goals, when they weren't making stops and with clear runouts, their six-on-six offense really didn't have any answers. Ryan Algevin, I think, is, is a key guy. Uh, the second midfield has been much more productive lately. It's, uh, uh, Reed Moschetti has come along well. Big senior, 6'4", 220, and Jack Kelly, 6'4", sophomore out of Culver. Uh, if there's one thing you know about Brown is they, they got athletes. They got good size, good speed. They have excellent short stick defensive midfielders. Uh, I, I mean, as good as I've seen all season with Griffin King, uh, Trevor Uboa, Cody, uh, and others. So I would think that Virginia will probably try to two-man game them, get the ball behind the goal, get some mismatches, run the offense, obviously through Schellenberger more. You'll see Dixon and you'll see Connor on, on those inverts. And they'll try to pick on the Brown defense of uh, Gepper, Gatos, and Newsom. Virginia, unseated. They were actually put on the bubble, according to uh, selection chair Donna Woodruff, which is, which is shocking. This team's resume, yeah, I know it's not that great. But, wow, you watch this team play, and they've had moments this year where, where you think they're a title contender. Uh, they've had a 17-day break, and they needed it because they're quite banged up. Uh, I, I think – Lars Tiffany was, was playing tricks with the media, but you had injuries to Petey LaSala. Connor Schellenberger wasn't 100%. Matt Moore's been nursing a hamstring. Ben Weyer had that Adam's apple uh, injury early on in the season. Uh, and you had some other guys, uh, key guys. Jeff Connor had the shoulder injury early on in the season. So I think the 17 days off does this team does this team well. My biggest question marks with Virginia can be midfield scoring. You know, Xander Dixon basically plays attack. He's on the inside. He scored a ton of goals on cuts. He's had a fine year, but... You know, Griffin Schutz, the freshman, and Pete Garno have to have productive days. Garno's the step-down shooter. When their offense is working, he's getting looks. He just, he just, the shooting percentage has been down this year. Jeff Connor came on late in the season. He's probably the, the, the key to the midfield, though, because he, he can beat you from a wing up top or play the two-man games behind the net with Schellenberger and Moore and create all sorts of matchups. And then next thing you know, you're leaving Cormier. Uh, uncovered in front. Matt Nunes, their goalie, didn't play in the season finale game I covered on the uh, ACC network. They played Lafayette and they started uh, their, their senior goalie. And so Nunes got the day off. So he hasn't played for almost, I don't know, more than three weeks. Uh, he struggled down the stretch. His, his save percentage went south. But again, I think the time off is going to be beneficial for him uh, and, the, and the talented defense of Cole Kastner, Cade Sostad, and Quentin Matsui. Same things to Sunday. Start things off at noon. Maryland, the number one seed, will play Vermont or Manhattan. Uh, if I had to guess, I'm recording this prior to that game. If I had to guess, I would think uh, Vermont is favored in that game. Maryland's been uh, Maryland's been unbelievable, as good as any team that I've that I've seen since I've been covering the sport in terms of their dominance. High shooting percentage, great passing, off ball movement. And no one's made them uncomfortable. Uh, eventually, they're gonna. Someone's gonna try a zone. Someone's gonna try some shutoffs. Someone's gonna try some funky things against this team. I would actually zone the second midfield. Uh, I would. I would. I would also experiment with some schemes where I'm kind of getting out of the sliding business. Every time I do that, you know, I see Kyle Long run by somebody and score unassisted goals. But does this team really have 20 unassisted goals in them? Keegan Khan's a good dodger. Kyle Long's got some speed. Demayo's got some shiftiness. I don't know somebody's got to try something to get Maryland out of their rhythm because Bob Benson has this offense humming. Logan's was, was now right now. The 
favorite to win the Tuarton Award and Maryland wins the, the gold trophy, uh, you may as well bronze Logan Wisnowski's name onto that trophy. He, this kid who's the all-time leader in points at Maryland. Every time you try to label him into a box, he expands his game, whether it's the dodging, the assisting, the passing's been great from Logan this year and scrappy around the net. You know, he gets rebound goals. He gets instinctual plays. I think what's most been most surprising to me offensively for Maryland has been the play of Jack Corus, Jack Brennan, and Owen Murphy, the second midfield. They, Maryland has the best second midfield in the country. And then you add in a rope unit that scored now over more than 25 goals. Uh, that is the, the, the Bubba Fairman, Roman Puglisi, Alex Smith, Jake Higgins, with Fogo, Luke Wehrman, and Nicole John Geppert. You add all that, and it's like it's a three-pronged offensive, uh, offensive juggernaut. I mean, Wehrman has been as good as any face-off man in the country. My, 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 my issue with, with Maryland is, is they've given him an awful lot of the draws. We haven't seen Gavin Ty very much. We haven't seen Michael Roach. And I worry if something happens to Weirman that Maryland's left themselves in a position where they don't have a viable Fogo number two. Defense is good. You know, uh, honestly, if I were attacking Maryland right now, I, I'm not sure I'd go after Roman Puglis or Bubba Fairman or Jake Higgins, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to go after some of their polls. And, and I think they have a close defender, Brett Maycar, who's, who's been outstanding. And, and Ajax Apatello has been a little hit and miss here and there. But, man, I, I go after their polls if I'm attacking Maryland's defense. Logan McNanny has been super solid between the pipes. He's uh, vastly underrated in the plays he makes outside of the crease. He, he's, he pops out of the goal at times to scoop up grounders and pick off passes and make really smart outlet passes. I'm, I'm really a fan of his out of the net game. Uh, and the last thing I'll say, you know, you got the Bernhardt matchup. If it's Vermont, Jake, the assistant coach for, for the Catamounts, Jesse, the defensive coordinator from Maryland. Uh, I miss their dad, Jimmy, quite a bit. Uh, and of course, Jared picked up by the Atlanta Falcons as a uh, unrestricted free agent. So we wish him, we wish him all the best. That should be good. Maryland's playing at home on Sunday. Mike Monaco and Jules Hennenberg will be uh, covering that game on ESPNU at noon. Second game will be uh, Harvard Rutgers. Anish and I, we're going to make our way from Princeton over to Rutgers. Just starting my prep on Harvard. Uh, plugged in a couple of their tapes. You watched that Yale tape this morning. <laughs> what a high-scoring game that was. Again, defense sold separately. But congratulations to Jerry Byrne and Crimson. Eight and four, uh, they get left out of the Ivy League tournament. But man, in his legit first year, this team is is young. I mean, they got twenty four freshmen, they got like seven juniors, maybe twelve seniors, and their young players are really turning the corner. Guy, guy I was impressed with in, in that game was Andrew Perry, forty one, the midi, getting downhill. Sam King kind of runs the show from behind the goal, and Austin Madronic is dangerous in the slot. Uh, there's a lot of young talent. Owen Gaffney, another midfielder with a with a, he's got a bright future. Uh, and and Hayden Cheek certainly's got some experience getting over that knee injury. High skill guy, but the Crimson and Jerry Byrne in the tournament. Uh, last thing that you see in that Yale, Harvard game was was uh, an injury to goalie Kyle Mullen. Looked like he he, he hurt his hamstring. Uh, I have no information on his status right now. If he can't play, I think that's significant because you got Christian Bernard uh, who'll start between the pipes. So it'll be interesting. Harvard at Rutgers. 
Anish and I will be there. I've seen Rutgers now on tape a lot. I covered their game, their win at Michigan. They seem to kind of go through a little bit of a funky period where they're at Michigan. They won by a goal. They beat Penn State by a goal. You're kind of wondering, like, is Rutgers, you know, who is this Rutgers team? Their non-conference schedule was, was quite easy. They have a win over Army. Uh, they, there's not much else there. You know, they, they didn't challenge themselves. And, and so I think entering that Big Ten tournament, I had some question marks. But their win over Ohio State was critical because if they lose that game, they're on the bubble. And if you look at their resume, I'm not sure they get in the tournament. Yeah, I know their RPI is really high, but they didn't have the wins. They don't have bad losses, but they didn't have the wins. They lost to Princeton in a game that got, got really ugly. Uh, Rutgers' inability in the six-on-six set on offense stood out to me in that game. Rutgers got playoff experience. They're playing at home. This game will actually be played at your sack. It's not going to be played in the stadium because of graduation uh, at, at Rutgers. So uh, your sack's a beautiful facility. I think the key for Rutgers, look, if they make stops and they get NASCAR going, they, they can hang with any team in the country. Uh, Colin Kurz throws beautiful outlets. This team wants to run with their shorties, Tommy Coyne, uh, Frank Kowiak, Brendan Kamish, Cole Dan Daniger. Uh, they have true two-end middies, and, and it's a thing of beauty when they do that. In settled sets of times, they've gotten stagnant. In that Michigan game, their middies were the heroes. Ronan Jacoby. The D3 transfer from Wesleyan was outstanding in that game. Unassisted goals. He's got great hands. He's, he's smooth. He plays like a club style. He looks like he's like 40 years old. Shane Knobloch, uh, what can you say? The sophomore burst, shot on the run. And then Ryan Gallagher, if he, if he has a favorable matchup with a shorty who doesn't have quicks, uh, this fifth-year senior out of Atlanta, he can invert. He's a captain. He's got tons of experience. And you, you just get the sense that the Scarlet Knights feel comfortable when the ball is in Ryan Gallagher's stick, the attack, you know, uh, Mitch Bartolo, great shooter, six, six frame. They get him looks in transition when the offense is home and he's getting looks, but I, th I think everything revolves around Ross Scott in, in settled sets. Junior from Oregon has that shiftiness, the change of direction, the burst. And he was, he was really the key, key guy when Rutgers beat Ohio state, that second half comeback in the big 10 semifinal. So I expect Rutgers to be fired up. Brian Breck's done a wonderful job. This transfer-heavy roster. Jared Jean Felix leads the defense. Ethan Rawls, the talented pole. Face-offs are going to be a question as we get into this turn of tournament. They got four potential guys they can use there, but it really hasn't hurt them so far this season. I like their experience. Last year, they were sent on the road to Lehigh and got it done. They're hosting a, a very young Harvard team. The difference in ages in this game is, is, uh, is, is gigantic, honestly. Harvard may be the youngest team in the tournament. Rutgers may be the oldest team in the history of the tournament. Seventh game is Ohio State and Cornell. Chris Cotter and Paul Carcaterra have the, uh, the assignment to drive after the game and yell New Haven, Connecticut, all the way out to Ithaca. Good luck, guys. Be safe. Uh, Ohio State, one of the last teams selected in this tournament. I was out in Columbus to cover their Johns Hopkins game. And I've seen them on tape quite a bit. Nick Myers, once again, back in the playoffs. I don't think they've been in the tournament since 2017 when they uh, lost to the national title game. So what's the deal with this Ohio State team? Well, Jack Myers has had a masterful season. You, you, you could add him to the Tawarton list, and I don't think people would blink. Uh, huge production. Okay, he's 6'4", 205. He's got another year. He's out of Gonzaga in the D.C. area. His left hand has improved. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he gets to good spots. And nobody does the pick and roll game, the two-man games, more and better than this Buckeye team. They set picks for him. They use Ari Allen in an invert, and they get good looks for Colby Smith and Jason Knox, two 
powerful step-down shooters. But the Jackson-Reed-Jack Myers combo is, is really where this team does much of their damage. Jackson-Reed is as smart as it gets, a lefty from Ontario, a senior. Uh, he, this, he's a team guy. He can play attack or midfield, and he just feeds off of Myers. The timing of his cuts, the nuances of his inside play, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pro level, and, and I hope he gets selected in the PLL draft. A question mark I have with Ohio State would be their second midfield scoring. Johnny Wiseman, when it's there with Mitch Pelkey, James Gurr, and others, when it's there, this team can hang. If it's not, there's too much reliance on Myers and Reed. Shorties are good. Right? I like Greg Langemeyer. Connor Camille is uh, you know, one of the top guys at that position nationally. And, and Ohio State, I think something that could, could really help them in this game against Cornell is their faceoff man. Justin Ignacio, and they have Drew Blanchard the graduate student, uh, Rhode Island via Hobart, okay? If Ignacio goes back to his early season form where he's, you know, dominant in those first couple games of the season, that could be huge in this game. Cornell's not, Cornell's not a bad face-off team, but they're not a great face-off team. I think the biggest challenge for Ohio State, uh, they're getting great goaltending from Skylar Whalen, but this defense, this close defense, is going to be put to the test by Cornell because Cornell's attack, Michael Long, C.J. Kirst and John Piatelli, uh, make no bones about it. It's one of the best attacks in the country. And so George Wallace, Bobby Van Buren, Jacob Snyder are going to be tested. I, th I think Cornell runs things through long to start and Kirst, and then they see how it goes. Uh, I think they'll initiate from behind in the wings. They'll use their middies really as transitional players, and, and that's the key. I mean, dealing with Kirst, Piatelli, and Long has, has been a, a chore for everybody. Cornell comes in. They've had a nice year. They haven't exactly finished with authority, but their game at Princeton gets them in the Ivy league tournament. That was uh, they showed up ready to play that day. The week after Richie Moran passed away, this team uh, really honored him uh, by the way they played that game. They scrapped, they fought, they hustled. They, they, they were sharp. Their passing was good. Everything, everything comes down to the attack. Michael Long, as I said, Kirsten Piatelli, I think the injury to Aiden Blake has hurt their midfield production. Coyle and Lachardi, Matt Lachardi with their quicks. Hugh Kelleher, man, he's such an X factor. Good looking young player. He's, he's going to be a star, 6'3, 220. Now would be the time for him to step up. Uh, they rely defensively on Harrison Bardwell, the shorty. But really, I think the story, one of the biggest stories of the season is Gavin Adler's ascension to, to being the, a top three defender nationally. I put him in, in, in the category with, uh, Kastner and Will Bowen from Georgetown. But Gavin Adler, man, he has held everybody to nothing. And his footwork is insane. His body positioning, his strength, he gets on your hip. He doesn't leave you alone. His stick's always in the passing lanes. He clears with perfection. Senior out of Hewlett. Yeah, I know he's only 5'8", uh, but gosh, uh, I have nothing but absolute raves the way Gavin Adler has played. Dom Doria is a a steadying force there. He's got a lot of experience. And Jack Follows is going to be someone you're going to want to follow, sophomore from Oakville, Ontario, in the Hill Academy. He's going to be a special talent, future captain. Questions I have with Cornell would be, you know, midfield scoring and then Chase Erlin. Chase Erlin was pretty good in the Ivies, in the Ivy semifinal loss. He hit a couple bumps in the middle of the season. If he can find his, his prior uh, form and be sharp at home, uh, you know, Cornell looks to beat Ohio State for the second time this season. That is Sunday, 
the afternoon evening time slot game with Kark and Cotter from beautiful Ithaca, New York. The finale will be a playing winner against Georgetown in the swamp, the swamp dogs, seven o'clock on the U Don Zimmerman, my former coach and Jay Alter will have the call from the swamp. I have not seen Georgetown in person this season. I've watched them on TV enough to know that the defense, it's a defensive based team. Will Bowen, Zach Geddes, maybe the best shorty in the country. Owen McElroy. Uh, McElroy is saving 63% right now. They win 63% of the faceoffs with James Riley. And now suddenly you have this offense with these, with these, you know, highly recruited guys, uh, TJ Haley behind the net, Dylan Watson, sharpshooting. They're using Hess now as a two-way guy. Uh, McDermott's really dangerous. And I think Graham Bundy Jr. has had a first-team All-American caliber season. Kevin Warren will have his team ready. The advantages of being at home, playing a play-in game, playing a play-in team on, on short rest are, are gigantic. Uh, everything says that, that Georgetown should hold serve here uh, and, and move on to the second round. So all those games on ESPNU, we start things off at Saturday at noon. Uh, Anish and I will be at Princeton and we'll be setting up this uh, entire bracket. I hope you have the opportunity to watch these games. If you're not at home, you can watch them all on the ESPN app. Enjoy them. I think the coolest thing about this tournament, yeah, I know there's a lot of buzz about Notre Dame not getting in, but uh, no Notre Dame, no Duke, no Johns Hopkins, no Syracuse, okay? That's a good thing. Uh, this is an opportunity for teams like BU, Richmond, St. Joe's, Harvard, Rutgers, uh, Ohio State, teams who haven't won a national title like Georgetown, to, uh, to step up and, and to, uh, to make fans. And, and so uh, I'm excited for all these games. I think the underdog story and the Ivy League story uh, will, will be really cool, and let's see how that plays out. So watch these games, bring friends to games, and, and enjoy. It's May. Thanks, everybody.